who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about Lewis and Clark. So grab your chronometer and let's get civical. Body. Hello! La, la, la. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. I'm Arden Walentowski. Did you forget the name of the show? What'd I say? I thought you said Let's Get Civical. There was like a slight pause. Oh. But maybe I it's didn't. Just... I, I, you know what? I'm sure I was trying something new, uh, whatever. I did not forget the name of our show. Uh, listen, sometimes Look, I forget. Look, everybody's my own name. a critic. This is supposed to be a positive episode, and I'm already getting notes. Ah! Welcome back to Let's Get Sickle! Yes! I'm uh, Lizzie Stewart. She's Arden Wildtowski. And today, this has been a long time coming, this episode. I, I think a year. I think a, at least a, a year, year we've been trying to do this episode. And this is a topic that we've talked about doing since probably like our first handful of episodes, yeah. which we were different people that back then. This was oh a different my show back then. Yes. So many different things. We've come so far. If you've mm-hmm. been listening for that long, you know what? You're, you are blood. 
You are blood. We are we are kin. We are kin. We are kin, and uh, you are the Lewis to my Clark, Aww. or I am the Clark to your Lewis. Mm-hmm. I feel I don't know who is who. I think that's what's going to be fun about today. Is yeah. I think we will determine between you and I who is Lewis and who is, who is Clark. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. A percent. One is sad. I remember that. One is sad. Like, yeah, like he has a sad disposition. Oh. <laughs> 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 oh my god i feel like that's me <laughs> well it could be either of us depending on what's going on oh, i feel like you're true. in the middle of finals so you are sad <laughs> oh my god very true <laughs> but uh but i've i've had oh, no, I've been, you know blue. i thought maybe you meant like he had a sad upbringing he died a sad death no no just a sad person. i think one of them died a, i'll i'll keep i'll keep this in my back pocket as that's like awesome. you know you know when i do an unscripted fun fact Mm-hmm. Do you know when I pull those out? I, I think I have an unscripted fun fact, unless you included it in here, that I'll save for the end. Okay, great. So you guys, keep your seatbelts on until I lay down a, a, what I think is a fun fact, and I will absolutely research it and confirm. But even if it's not true, I'm still going to say it because yes! part of the fun of this show is sometimes we just say things that we thought were true. Is this going to be an unscripted fun fact like when I thought the Alamo was round? Yes. <laughs> yes, but I but I actually think mine is true, <laughs> and based in knowledge that I had been given, ah. learning about Lewis and Clark. Whereas God knows where you got the Alamo being round from, especially. And what was upsetting about your Alamo is round is I sent you pictures of me in front of an incredibly rectangular building. <laughs> Oh, it's very true. <laughs> Sometimes, like, and and more than one picture. So that's why that's why you don't get a pass for the. No, the I don't get. A, I should not get a pass. I don't know why. I don't know what. At some point, made me think that the Alamo was round, and and like deny Same. my brain denied evidence to the contrary. Denied it. Deny. 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 Yes. Denied physical evidence to the contrary and i just i have no idea i don't know if i like confused it with another building or mm. I, I have no idea it's possible <laughs> so we're the the alama <laughs> the alama mm-hmm. so we'll see we'll see if this fun fact proves to be true and fruitful and i'm just so excited like this is i feel like this episode is for you and for me. Yes. And I hope the listeners enjoy it. But every now and then, it's been it's been a tough road. We've had to do some tough episodes. Mm-hmm. Today is all about Lewis and Clark. It's all about the boys on the trail to the West. A great adventure. Manifest destiny exploration. All of the things. We're going to get into it. Yes. I am so excited. Yes. Before we do, do you want to go through today's sources? Sure. Ooh, I did a little. Sure. Whistly ish. Pardon, Wallen Towski. Never done that before. The whistly ish. I feel like that's. Whistly ish. It's hard to keep it maintained. Yeah. You just have to work a little harder. Oh, oh. Work a little harder on my. She shells, she shells. By the seashore. <laughs> okay. You're very good at that. Thank um. you. I have so little to offer. 
<laughs> oh my god. Well, the Sharsha Ronan Sharshas today are uh, kids National Geographic because Hell of course. Yeah. Hell because yeah. of course. Of course. History.com naturally. Naturally, naturally. And the, the National Archives. Oh, love. Mm-hmm. Three solid sources. I love right? when we do kids stuff because mm-hmm. it's very honestly, simple. It's straightforward. Mm-hmm. They're sharpshooters. If you think you're above Kids National Geographic, you're wrong. You're not. Mm-hmm. We got to start at the basics. Yep. So speaking of the basics, let's get an overview on Lewis and Clark. Who are they? What do they do? If you don't know, let's start there. So the Lewis and Clark expedition began in 1804 when President Thomas Jefferson tasked Meriwether Lewis with exploring the lands west of the Mississippi River that comprised the Louisiana Purchase. So TJ made a great sale, mm-hmm. bought the Louisiana Purchase from France, which by the by, we have a Louisiana Purchase episode. Go listen to it. Yes. And then he was like, I have no idea what I just bought. <laughs> I don't know. I have the Not receipt. a single idea as to what is, out is there. in this purchase. Nope. So he called his good friend Meriwether and he said, Mary, uh, go take a look. Go take a look, please. Take a gander. And Meriwether's like, absolutely. I will go take a look at the vast purchase that was Louisiana. (laughs) Lewis chose William Clark as his co-leader for the mission. So let's get this out of the way right now. Their first names are not Lewis and Clark. They are their last names. It is Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. I do love if it would be if it was called Meriwether and William. Uh, as a put, but yeah, it's just a lot to say. It's just a lot. to Meriwether say. is it, you know? But it's Lewis a lot of Clark. syllables. Yeah, it's a lot of syllables. The excursion lasted over two years. Along the way, they confronted harsh weather, unforgiving terrain, treacherous waters, injuries, starvation. Disease and both friendly and hostile Native Americans. Uh, well, yeah, it's like, who the fuck are you? Get out of my house. Like, absolutely, they're hostile. Right, go the fuck away. Nevertheless, the approximately 8,000 mile journey was deemed a huge success and provided new geographic, ecological, and social information about previously uncharted areas of North America. I mean, shoot. Yeah. They it's just a, started walking and they were documenting they everything. Mm-hmm. Crazy. that land went on for a good long time. Good long time. Imagine just, just where we are now and just starting to walk. <laughs> <laughs> And just walk and walk and walk. I mean, I'm sure that maybe they had horses. Get on horseback. That's also, that gets uncomfortable after a while. Then you got to get into a boat at some point. Get a a canoe. How would you even know what to pay attention to that would be different? Like, how would you mark? Like, there's, it's, there's no, there's no markers. It's just like this big tree and that big tree. And oh, this, we've seen this kind of tree before. Look at this animal. Yeah, I think they, they, they like dock, they like drew pictures Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. Which is crazy. Uh-huh. So not only are they hikers, they are artists. They are artists. So 
maybe this will be the part where we find out who was the more sad one. Because we're going to talk mm. about who were Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. So Meriwether Lewis was born in Virginia in 1774, but he spent his early childhood in Georgia. He returned to Virginia as a teenager to receive his education and graduated from college in 1793. He then joined the Virginia State Militia, where he helped to put down the Whiskey Rebellion. Also have an episode on that. We do have an episode on that. And later became a captain in the U.S. Army. At age 27, he became the personal secretary to President Thomas Jefferson. Okay, overachiever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to do the math. He was 30 years old when he set out on the expedition. Ooh. Well, Which, Lizzie, you I, have two years uh, to prepare. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I'm already behind on being the president's personal secretary. So yeah. <laughs> chop, 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 chop. It's not looking good for me as Meriwether Lewis. No. William Clark was born in Virginia in 1770, but moved with his family to Kentucky at age 15. At age 19, he, he too joined the state militia and then sure. the regular army, where he served with Meriwether Lewis, and was eventually commissioned by President George Washington as a lieutenant in the infantry. So they met, they met in, in the army. Yeah. Wait, when was he born? I want to know who's older. 1770. Clark is four years older than Meriwether Lewis. Oh. Born mm-hmm. in August. Mm-hmm. Which I think I means that I am Clark and you are Lewis. I mean, based on age. Based, based on, on age. age. Yeah. I think based on accomplishment, uh, neither of us are either. <laughs> but no, okay. No. Okay. No, no. Okay. In 1796, Clark returned home to manage his family's estate. Seven years later, Lewis chose him to embark on an epic excursion. Cute. Cute. Yeah. An excursion. An excursion. Ooh. Ooh. That would help shape America's history. Lewis knew that exploring the Louisiana Territory would be no small task and began Mm -hmm. preparations immediately. He studied medicine, botany, astronomy, and zoology and scrutinized existing maps and journals of the region. Mm, That sounds like you. (laughs) (laughs) It's very true. It's very true. It sounds like you. Oh, my God. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So right now, as it stands, and this is not the final... Verdict. As it stands, I am Meriwether Lewis. You are William Clark. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about why we needed this expedition. This big, this great journey that Lewis and Clark went on. What was the actual need and point? So when Thomas Jefferson became the third president of the United States in 1801, the country basically stopped at the Mississippi River. France controlled much of the land to the west of this waterway known as the Territory of Louisiana Purchase. Jefferson wanted to acquire the port of New Orleans in what is now the state of Louisiana from the French. Its prime location made it a key spot for trade. So, of course, in 1803, he made the big cha-ching, cha-ching kahuna deal, the Louisiana Purchase. After negotiations, France agreed to sell the entire city of New Orleans, which included the port, to the United States for $10 million 
And then they threw in the rest of the territory they owned for an additional five million. <laughs> it was like, and then if you'll take the rest, it's like this comes with the house, so it's included. <laughs> it's it's the shut up back. We bought it when we bought the house. Yeah. I've never used it. We're not gonna do anything with it. It's coming to the house. Yep. You know, pay me two hundred bucks. It's yours. It's yours. So total fifteen million for the entirety of the Louisiana purchase. The agreement, which gave the United States approximately 828,000 square miles of land, almost doubled the size of the nearly 30-year-old nation. The United States only paid about three cents an acre for the land, which stretched from the Mississippi River in the east to the Rocky Mountains in the west, and from the Gulf of Mexico in the south to the Canadian border in the north. It's big. It's big. Spain still owned much of the southwestern part of what is now the United States, stretching from the area that would become Texas to present-day California. Purchasing this enormous amount of land was one thing, but exploring it was another. Jefferson wanted to plan an expedition to investigate the territory. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. what? <laughs> we gotta know what we got here. What's what out we're there? Working with. What's out there? He called the proposed mission... The Voyage of Discovery. Oh, okay, my gosh. nerd. Yeah, exactly. Nerd alert. <laughs> nerd alert. And began assembling a team of explorers called the Corps of Discovery. The president chose Captain Meriwether Lewis and Captain William Clark to lead the expedition. Both captains. Okay, so at least we're both captains. Oh, regardless of who we share the same rank. Great. Yes, Captain. And I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Lewis, who was President Jefferson's personal secretary, as we said, was an officer in the United States Army and spoke several Native American languages. Okay, I'm bringing something to the table. He brings, he brings. I will say, though, you do speak more languages than I do. But I barely speak French. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say that I speak it. I would say I can, I can sometimes and I can understand sometimes, but I'm not fluent. Mm -hmm. Okay. This man seems like he's fluent. Well, sure. Sure. I mean, it's Meriwether Lewis, for God's sakes. Absolutely. So, let's talk about expedition preparation, or as let's. one interns like to call it, an excursion. An excursion! I mean, it's both. It's We're, excur we're, we're going on an adventure! Excursion preparations. So on July 5th, 1803, Lewis visited the arsenal at Harper's Ferry to obtain munitions. He oh, then sure. Sure. Like you do. I do that before all of my excursions. He then rode a custom-made 55-foot keel boat, also called the boat or the barge, mm. down the Ohio River and joined Clark in Clarksville, Indiana. Ooh. Okay. I think that was on our list, maybe, because we're we're probably going to do another road trip this summer, and I think that was on our lists of cities to hit on the way Clarksville back Clarksville, because it's like wherever we were coming and going from or to, it was like right in the middle. So from Clarksville, Indiana, Clark took the boat up the Mississippi River while Lewis continued along on horseback to collect additional supplies. Okay, so we're planes, okay. trains, and automobiling it. All right, all right. Hello. Some of the supplies collected were surveying instruments, including compasses, quadrants, telescopes, sextants, and a chron chron chronometer. 
It can't be chronometer. I have heard of one of the two of those things, and that's a compass <laughs> and a telescope. Uh, hold on, let's see. Let's see if if the interwebs can tell us how to say chronometer. I imagine it's what the first way you said it. Chronometer. Yeah, chronometer. That sounds more scientific. Ooh, I want one. Ooh, they look really cool. It's like a sure. big clocky thing. Chronometer. Mm-hmm. Chronometer. You had it. Finger on the pulse. Finger on the pulse of pronunciation. So, yes. So, telescope, sextants, and a chronometer. They also picked up some camping supplies. Seems smart. Including oilcloth, steel flints, tools, utensils, cornmeal, mosquito netting. Very smart. Fishing so equipment, smart. soap, and salt. Yes. I mean... What's in your emergency bag? Well, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) They picked up some clothing. Great. Let's not go naked. They picked up more weapons and ammunition, medicines and medical supplies, books on botany, geography, and astronomy, and some maps. Although they were going to make the map, so... Well, I think they needed what maps they had. I'm sure that there was, yes. like, some maps yes. about the territory. Because they, think and, like, I can't like, imagine they Ugh. were just like, let's just go this way. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. Let's take a They had to know where, like, certain rivers were. Like, I'm sure they tree. knew where the, you know, Mississippi was and, like, big, right. big landmarks. True. Lewis also collected gifts to present to Native Americans along the way. Okay, nice. We come okay. in peace. And they they picked up some beads, some face paint, knives, tobacco, some ivory combs, bright colored cloth, ribbons, sewing notions, and mirrors. Hmm. I will say that gift giving is my love language. Not oh. like just to put another ball in my court for Meriwether Lewis. Uh-huh. Gift giving is my love language. I, I would I would ooh. think to bring gifts. And you probably would too. But I know that yeah. about myself. That's really good. I do. I will say I am very good at giving gifts. You are. I mean, I, I have received several gifts from you. And they've all been <laughs> certainly spot on. <laughs> I'm very good at giving gifts and finding things that like are for that particular person. Yeah. Um, it's funny though. I'm like, is it my love language? I guess because I do put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. But I'm much more of like a, this is not a podcast about love languages, but I'm much more of like a cuddly, like mm-hmm. a, affectionate person. And I think that yeah. like giving and receiving, I think that's more my love language. So I think you're correct. It's a nod for you. Got to take the W's where you can get them. That's right. That's right. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Okay, so we've got we've got our supplies, we've got our clothes, we've got our chronometers, we've got our mirrors, and we are hitting the road. Lewis and Clark expedition excursion. Where did they go? What did they see? What did they find? Let's talk about it. So Jefferson hoped that Lewis and Clark would find a water route linking the Columbia and Mississippi rivers. This water link would connect the Pacific Ocean with the Mississippi River system, thus giving the new western lands access to port markets out of the Gulf of Mexico and to eastern cities along the Ohio River and its minor tributaries? Yeah. Tributaries. Tributaries. At the time, American and European explorers had only, I don't like penetrated, but only penetrated (laughs) what would be... (laughs) Penetrated? each end of the Lewis and Clark Trail up the Missouri several miles to Trapper headquarters at Fort Mandan and up the Columbia just a bit over 100 miles to a point a little beyond present-day Portland, Oregon. Hmm. So they've kind of been around just at the top, like the front end and the back end, but not the yummy middle in between. No. 
The Lewis and Clark expedition paddled its way down the Ohio as it prepared the expedition to be launched officially from Camp Wood, just outside of St. Louis in the summer of 1804. Oh. That summer and fall, the company of explorers paddled and pulled themselves upstream northwest of the Missouri River to Fort Mandan, a trading post, where the Corp of Discovery set up camp, wintered, and prepared for the journey to the Pacific. Man, I bet that paddling was tiring. <laughs> I was like, mm, I was with you on the expedition until I heard the paddling. And no, no. Paddling no, and you. pulling. Mm-hmm. Just like, heave. Heave. Yeah. I don't know about all that. No, because they got all this stuff too. Upstream? No, thank you. They're going upstream. They're going against the current with mm-hmm. all of their gifts and trinkets and toys. A lot of gifts, trinkets, and toys. In November, they reached Knife River Village in present-day North Dakota. Mm. They met, oh, here we go. They met a young Shoshone Native American woman called Sacagawea and her fur trader husband, Tushant Charbonneau. The couple joined the expedition as interpreters, translating the language of the local tribes for Lewis and Clark's men. Okay, let's talk about erasure for Toussaint Charbonneau. I know, who's that guy? I mean, like, who gives a shit, right? Like, there's plenty of men in history who have uh, overshadowed their wives' contributions. So, like, shout out to Sacagawea for, like, truly... Right, right, right. ...taking the lead on this narrative. Exactly. But yeah, we never hear about Toussaint. I didn't even know she was married. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's always like that image of like her with a baby. Oh, right. That is Which, true. Which, I mean, doesn't necessarily mean that she was married, but like right. she had she had to have a baby somehow. With her. Yeah. Yeah. Sacagawea didn't just serve as an interpreter during the trip, however. She also helped Lewis and Clark's men obtain essential supplies and horses. She identified edible plants and herbs and prevented hostile relations with other tribes simply by being with the group, all while carrying her newborn baby on her back. Honey, and where's Toussaint? Where's Toussaint? He's, well, he's off trading someplace, maybe. Sure. Maybe that's why we don't hear him, because... I hear about him. Maybe he didn't go on the trip. Maybe that was just a her thing. I mean, it says that that they joined him. The couple joined them. But he maybe he was go. Look, he was either veering away and coming back, or simply just average compared to Sacagawea. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're when you're preventing hostile relations with other Native American tribes with a, a baby on your back. <laughs> Anything more than that is simply subpar and not worth talking yes. about. After meeting Sacagawea and her husband, the corpse traveled west from North Dakota, 15 to 20 miles a day on foot and by boat towards the mountains. So they are, they're starting to walk. Yeah. Starting to walk where they have to. Day after day, the exhausted, freezing team braved rough rivers and perilous peaks, getting by on very little food. They wouldn't see the Pacific Ocean until November 1805, over a year after they first left Missouri. Absolutely not. 359 days. <laughs> to get 
from point A to point B. And then they still and gotta here, come back. I and then and then you have to come back. Then you do have to come back. This is this oh. point. This point in the journey, doing a temperature check on which one of us is Lewis and Clark. I don't think either of us are Lewis and Clark no. right now. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm all for a hike, but my God. Yes. We love ourselves a road trip. I love a road trip. I love a road trip in my car on a paved road mm-hmm. with gas stations and restaurants. Oh my along God. The way. Yeah. And hotels. And hotels. Oh my God. Yeah, because they, I mean, it doesn't sound like any of them were very good hunters. You know, no, they were. They don't. Well, they definitely didn't come from that background. You know, like these are these are army guys. Yeah. So when the spring of 1805 brought high water and favorable weather, the Lewis and Clark expedition set out on the lex on the next leg of its journey. They traveled up the Missouri to present day Three Forks, Montana, following the westernmost tributary, the Jefferson River. This route delivered the explorers to the doorstep of the Shoshone tribe, who were skilled at traversing the Great Rock Mountains with horses. Once over the Bitterroot Mountains, I love all of these names. Good names. They're good names. Good names. The Corps of Discovery shaped canoe-like vessels that transported them swiftly downriver to the mouth of the Columbia. Oh my God, the fastest part of their journey. They were I like, know. And also like, wait, we have to, we have to stop and build a canoe. This is like the original story. This is Survivor. This is Survivor. This is Survivor, uh, but it's 1805 and nobody's going to come get you. It's like Survivor, 1805, naked and afraid. Like, that's... Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So they're in They're in the Corps of Discovery. They're in canoe-like vessels. Floating down the mouth, floating down the river to the mouth of the Columbia, where they wintered at Fort Clatsop, on the present day Oregon side of the river. Interesting. There's like, I guess I, of course there are, but there are, are forts all over. Yeah. Interesting. I guess I didn't think about that, that we had set up like defense areas. Yeah. I mean. I- or maybe they were the French defense. They could have been the French. I don't know. Could have been the French. Could have been the French. With journals in hand. Oh, my God. Love. Lewis and Clark and the other members of the expedition returned to St. Louis by September 1806 to report their findings to President Jefferson. Along the way, they continued to trade what few goods they still had and set up diplomatic relations with the Native American tribes. These people, Lewis and Clark are doing it all. They're doing it all. And also, like, can you imagine, like, for a second... You, it's been, we've been on the road for two years, there mm-hmm. and back. Then we finally get in front of Thomas Jefferson and he's like, tell me everything. Where do you start? <laughs> like, I'm like, tell you every like, read the, here's read the journals, tell journals me everything. of tree drawings. <laughs> Eat your heart out, my dude. Like, right. Tell you everything. Well. <laughs> Sit back, First Jefferson. First we did Day this. One. And then there was a rough river. And then this and that. Yep. Etc. Oh my god. Additionally, they recorded their contact and described, and at times drew, the shape of the landscape and the creatures of this western world that were new to to the Americans. Mm-hmm. 
In doing so, they fulfilled many of Jefferson's wishes for the expedition. Okay, success. I know, when you go on a two-year mission walking the country by foot, I think you get to do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, I'm like, okay, at least Jefferson's happy right, with right, how right. this turned huh? out. This was, thank God, would right. hate it if he was like, this was a colossal waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> what did you even do? All you brought what me were drawings. What were you even up to? <laughs> two years. You had two years. Fired. Along the way, William Clark drew a series of maps that were remarkably detailed, noting and naming rivers and creeks, significant points in the landscape, the shape of river shore, and spots where the course spent each night or camped or portaged for longer periods of time. I feel like that would be a me thing. That's a totally you thing. I'd be like, oh my God, here's a line, (laughs) X, more line. I would really give up on this like two days in. That's an absolute you thing. Oh my God. I love this. I love this. I also like, and like, it's totally a me thing is even in describing what he did. I'm like, how would you even start to do that? Like, here's this river. And then we're going to put an X here because we stopped here and we stopped here for three nights. So I'm going to put three next. Like the, the system that he had in his mind to like be able yeah. to carry this out. And you're right for two years. Wow. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. That's a me thing. All right, we're we're solidifying that I am the Clark t- and you. You, I am the Clark there. to we're your Lewis. There. We're getting there. Later explorers used the maps from Lewis and Clark to further probe the western portion of the continent. Probe, not penetrate. I mean, probe and penetrate. <laughs> Choose your peas. Choose your peas. The expedition of the Corps of Discovery shaped a crude route to the waters of the Pacific and marked an initial pathway for the new nation to spread westward from ocean to ocean, fulfilling what many Americans would claim to be their obvious destiny. Manifest, honey. Manifest destiny, bitches. Mm. Over the next two centuries, new Americans and many immigrants would wash across the central and western portions of what would eventually become the the contiguous 48 United States. This wave of settlement would significantly transform virgin forests and grasslands into a landscape of cities, farms, and harvested forests, displacing fauna such as the buffalo and squeezing the Native American tribes who who survived onto reservations. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, thank you, Sacagawea, for helping out Lewis and Clark, but the Native American tribes were probably right to be like, hold the phone. Hold on. What are uh, these boys is, doing? This Why is do my... you need to know what's out here? Because you're going to come it's back. It's all about me. Like, I'm here. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, hold on. I'm I'm verifying the fun. It's not even a fun fact, but the fact that I thought of. That makes Meriwether Lewis sad. So there's some there's some mystery about it. We love a caper. Some people think that Meriwether Lewis, it's most probable that he killed himself. But it also like there's this air of like maybe he was murdered, but he probably killed himself. What? Yeah. Wait, how? Why? Tell. What's the story? So, okay. Let me, this is from Smithsonian Magazine. Reputable. Uh, an article by Abigail Tucker. Shout out to Abigail Tucker. Captain Meriwether Lewis, obviously who we know, was only 35 when he died of a, 
of gunshot wounds sustained along a perilous Tennessee trail called the ooh, Nat, Natchez Trace. I may be saying that wrong. A broken column, symbol of a life cut short, marks his grave in Tennessee. But what exactly transpired at a remote inn 200 years ago? Most historians agree that he committed suicide. Others are convinced that he was murdered. How do you come across him and be like, that Mary, that's Meriwether Lewis? Well, I'm sure he was with people. I think, oh. he was, I think he did it at this inn. Oh, he wasn't like just walking? No. Oh. Here, let's see. I'm, I'm jumping to a later part. By some accounts, Lewis arrived at the inn with servants. By others, he arrived alone. That night, the innkeeper's wife heard several shots. She, she later said she saw a wounded Lewis crawling around begging for water, but was too afraid to help him. Okay, innkeeper's wife, you're the just going to- this bitch? That is the most like 1800s thing where it's like, ooh, this guy who's bleeding to death is scary. <laughs> he died apparently of bullet wounds to the head and abdomen shortly before sunrise the next day. One of his traveling companions who arrived later buried him nearby. His friends assumed it was suicide. Before he left St. Louis, Lewis had given several associates the power to distribute his possessions in the event of his death. While traveling, he composed a will. Lewis had reportedly attempted to take his own life several times a few weeks earlier and was known to suffer from what Jefferson called, quote, sensible depressions of mind. Clark had also observed his companion's melancholy melancholy states. He said, quote, I fear the weight of his mind has overcome him. He wrote after receiving word of Lewis's fate. Wow. At the time of his death, Lewis's depressive tendencies were compounded by other problems. He was having financial troubles and likely suffered from alcoholism and other illnesses possibly syphilis or malaria, the latter of which was known to cause bouts of dementia. Surprisingly, he may have also felt like something of a failure. Though the corpse of Discovery had traversed thousands of miles of wilderness with few casualties, Lewis and Clark did not find the Northwest Passage to the Pacific, which was the mission's primary goal. The system of trading posts they established began to fall apart before the explorers returned home. And now Lewis, the consummate adventurer, suddenly found himself stuck in a desk job. Oh. So yeah, I'll stop there. This is great. This is a great great article article at Smithsonian uh, Magazine. But yeah, I mean, I hate to end it on such a bummer. No, but that's so interesting. It's so interesting. And also it was truly, I mean, he was 30 years old when he started the journey. So he was back by being 32 or 33. Two years later, like, he died so soon so after the young. expedition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that would be incredibly depressing. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, like, d- before the pandemic, every like, a lot of people had office jobs. And then, you know, people worked from home if they were lucky during the pandemic. And then once things started to open up, like, who wants to go back to a desk job? You know, it's like, yeah. I can do this shit from home and, oh, yeah. like, have a life and autonomy. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to go back to a, <laughs> back to an mm-hmm. office. Meriwether Lewis, I completely understand. 
We still you Mary Weather Lewis. I don't mm-hmm. and for that reason I don't want to be Mary Weather Lewis. So I'm gonna say just the expedition part, I'm Mary Weather mm-hmm. Lewis. I agree. But I don't think I have the melancholy that he suffered from. No. I would say not. But that is the expedition slash excursion of Lewis and Clark. We finally did it. I'm sure we'll always talk about Lewis and Clark because them going out west just set the scene for so many things in this country's development. So all roads lead back to Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. I think final vote, you are William Clark and I am Meriwether Lewis. Oh, 100%. Expedition Meriwether Lewis. Expedition Meriwether Lewis. Uh, Not post-expedition Meriwether Lewis. No, no. And our sweet, sweet listeners, if you agree or disagree, let us know who you think is who. But in the meantime, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.